Dear Heavenly Father, we don't want to miss this moment when we can pause to remember that as we sing all hell King Jesus, we're talking about a baby screaming and crying in the dirtiest of circumstances. Father, where you came to meet us in the middle of our mess, in the middle of everything that we face and go through, the King of kings and the Lord of lords has been made known to us. And so, Father, on this Christmas Eve, we want to just pause for a moment and remember your goodness and your faithfulness to us all. Dear Lord, we pray that you would be with us and speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody have a seat. We're so glad that you're all here tonight with us to celebrate Christmas Eve. It's an honor that uh, you took time out of your family festivities and your traditions to be here with us. And so we're so happy to be able to worship with you guys tonight. I don't know about you guys, but I love everything about Christmas. I get excited about Christmas time. I'm one of those people who has to limit myself to not put on the Christmas music too soon because I get really excited about it. I love the music. I love the cookies. I love the tamales. I love them too much, to be honest. I love all those things about Christmas that, that go around the celebration. But really, when we get to the heart of it, I love what this celebration is all about. Because even though it's family, and I love that part, and it's getting together, and it's sharing laughs and memories and good meals, and all of those things are great, it's really about the core of the heart of what this is all about and that is that God has made a way to us. You know, uh, we like to drive around and, and look at the different Christmas decorations. We've got some really cool ones in our neighborhood, and maybe you do too. But if you drive around at all, you're going to see some nativity sets, right? Whether it's in somebody's home or, you know, they come in every shape and size now. They're cartoons or they're real, they're inflatable, they're made of wood, they're cut out. All kinds of nativity sets, but I love that no matter where you go, there are images of this very fact that God has made a way to meet every one of us right where we are. It's the incarnation. It's kind of a churchy word, but the incarnation means that God himself takes on flesh to come and walk in your shoes, to come and face the trials and the temptations that each one of us face to be made known to us. So my prayer for all of us is that every time we see Joseph and Mary in one depiction or another during this Christmas season, that we would be reminded of what it's all about, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And what I want to take just a little time to do tonight is just to go through the Christmas story. And many of you are familiar with this, and you hear it again every year, but I I pray that tonight we will have uh, just a, a refreshing moment as, as we look at the Christmas story and God's plan for every one of our lives. In Luke chapter 2, I'm going to skip back and forth just a little bit, but in Luke chapter 2, Caesar Augustus has issued a decree through the Roman Empire that everyone is supposed to uh, register their names in this census. Right, It's this census to tally how many people they are, there are and where people live. But everybody has to go back to their own hometown to do that. 
So Mary and Joseph have to do this through Joseph, who's the patriarch of the soon-to-be family here. They have to go back to Bethlehem, which is Joseph's lineage, which goes all the way back to King David, David and Goliath, if we trace it back through the Bible. But as they go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, as you may be familiar with the, with how the story goes, when they get there, there's no room in the inn. And, you know, it's not like there were hotels, you know, set up in Bethlehem, but there was no place for them to stay with other people uh, or, or any sort of accommodations. And so they had to find wherever they could to stay. And that's where they end up in this manger scene, this nativity as we all know it. It tells us in Luke chapter uh, 2 verse 7 that there's no place for them to stay. It says this, so she gave birth to her first child and she wrapped him snugly in cloths, strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging for them. Now, if you're not familiar with the term manger, like I wasn't really for a long time, it's really just a feeding trough. And so when we talk about a manger, it's just a trough that they would put hay in for the livestock. And when it says that they laid Jesus in this manger, it gives us this barn-type depiction that this is where Jesus enters the world. Now, it could have looked like a very unfortunate set of circumstances, right? It just so happens that Mary is pregnant, and as she comes full term, they have to travel back to Bethlehem. So, ladies, you can imagine, if you've been nine months pregnant, how awful that would have been, walking or riding on a donkey from one town to another town. But that's the situation they find themselves in. And then they get to this place where it's totally overcrowded because they've called all of these people and these families back to this town. And so they get there and there is nowhere for them to stay. So once again, it could look like totally bad circumstances. She finds herself in labor. There's no place to stay. They're literally in the middle of a mess. One could look at that and say, well, where was God's power in that? If this was God's plan, how did they end up in the middle of this situation? Well, that's exactly it. It was God's plan. God's plan was to introduce God made known in the flesh in the middle of the most lowly and messiest situation possible. Then we have Mary and Joseph. They show up on the scene in our nativity set. I don't know why these, uh, this family here in most nativity sets are blonde and white, but uh, that's what you get here in America. And that's what we have here. We have Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. They come from Nazareth. Mary would have likely been around 16 years old. So think a sophomore in high school, as you and I would know it. Joseph was likely a carpenter. He worked hard, manual labor with his hands. It was the trade that he grew up knowing how to do. What we see from Scripture is that both Mary and Joseph are good people. If we could see anything about their character, it's this. These two are good, hardworking people. They don't have a lot, 
They didn't have a lot of means. We can see that from other things in Scripture. But they are good people who wanted to do the right thing, even when presented with a really difficult challenge of saying, you're going to carry a baby, and it's not going to be Joseph's. It's going to be God's. I mean, you can imagine how that went over at the family gathering, right? When faced with this circumstance... They were good people who wanted to do the right thing. We see this about Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 30. It says, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. It goes on to say in verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. We see Joseph's story in Mark chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And he, he consider, as he considered this... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. God has made himself known through a young couple who loved one another, but even more than that, they loved God and they wanted to do the right thing. Next, we have the shepherds. The Bible talks about plural shepherds. Most nativity sets just have one, but uh, you can imagine other shepherds with uh, this young boy here with the blonde golden locks streaming down his head. Uh, Even though he looks like a, a strapping young lad, the truth is shepherds, if we were to describe their life in one word, it would be hard. The life of a shepherd was at the bottom of the totem pole. It was one of the hardest jobs imaginable. And if you were a night shepherd, that meant you got the the really short end of the stick. Because you had to work hard. You you had to separate yourself from people. They were at the bottom of the uh, the socioeconomic scale. They were rough, tough people who didn't make a lot of money. They didn't own their own sheep. They watched other people's sheep. It was not an easy life. But yet God makes himself known to the most unlikely of people when he shows up. It tells us in Luke chapter 2 verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. Well, I would be too. Because God has made himself known to a group of fringe people who were kind of on the outskirts of society, who knew what it meant to live in the school of hard knocks. The next group of people that we have typically in a nativity set are the wise men. And if you want to know more about the wise men, I really encourage you to go back and listen to Stephen's message that he gave us yesterday on the wise men. He did an awesome job. But these guys, as Stephen noted, they get the really cool costumes. We see them here in our nativity set. 
These are men of wealth. These are men of influence and wisdom. They have access to the king when they show up. And although they're from a different time than you and I know, and they're from a different culture than you and I live in, these guys in many ways could be described as as people who are living the American dream. And I don't mean to stretch that too much, but typically in America, we try to think, I want to be successful and I want to have means and I want to have influence. These guys had that. These guys had a lot of the things that we strive for in life, but yet there was something within them that said, I'm still searching for the truth. It says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We have Mary and Joseph. We have the shepherds. And we have the wise men. The thing I love about this scene is that these are people from all different backgrounds, from all different areas. One thing that we say here at Rock Hills Church is we believe that you can come as you are. And when I look at the nativity set, that's exactly what I see. I see good people who are just trying to do the right thing. I see people who are on the, on the fringe of society who've had a hard life. I see guys who have had it good but are seeking for truth in their life. People who are from near, just a field away. People who are from a little bit farther away. And people who are from really far. But God chooses every one of these people to make his message known. And really, we can go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible to see the truth of this story. If we go all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, if you're familiar with that story, you have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden And God is with them. Literally, they talk to him. They can have conversations with him. They can walk with him. And in the midst of this relationship where God is with them, we have the fall of man because Adam and Eve make some poor decisions. And in the midst of that, there's a separation between God and man. And really from that moment... All the way to this moment, the moment of the nativity scene, the people of God are going to feel a great separation. Because you see, all through the Old Testament, we go through Moses and Abraham, and it's about the law and keeping the law and all the do's and don'ts, and they were very long. And you had to do these things to be righteous, but the problem was nobody could be righteous. Nobody could meet the standard. But God said there is a solution. And it was God's promise and God's desire all along to heal what was broken. That God might be with us again. God wants to redeem and to restore. As a matter of fact, about 700 years before Christ, Isaiah prophesied. He's a prophet in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 9, I'll begin in verse 2. It says this, The people who walk in darkness will see great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. In other words, hundreds of years before Jesus even shows up, the prophets are saying, the light is coming. 
There is a light that is going to come to redeem and restore. He goes on to describe this in verse 6. We'll skip down to verse 6. It says this, For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's saying that one day the Messiah will come and all that you are hoping for and praying for will be redeemed. You know, I think when that angel showed up to Mary and Joseph, I'm sure they were terrified. I mean, we all would be, right? One, if an angel showed up and talked to any of us, we would be terrified. But two, if the angel shows up with a task like, hey, by the way, you're going to be pregnant and it's going to be, you know, the son of God, we would all be absolutely terrified. And I'm sure that Mary and Joseph were, but at the same time, they understood exactly what it was about. Because Mary and Joseph were people who all their lives had been waiting for this promise to come true. It says in, in Mark chapter 1, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 through 23. And she will have a son, and you are, and, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus arrives at just the right time. And it doesn't seem like it, but he arrives in just the right place. Because, you see, he arrives in the mess to be one of us. He is among us and he is one of us. The implications of that are that Jesus walks in our shoes, that he faces our pain. He grows up just like your children had to grow up. He faced the same things that we face. He had to learn to obey and face relationship issues. We see through scripture that he faces pain and loss and suffering. All those things that we face. Hebrews Hebrews describes his humanity and his deity at the same time in this manner. From the, I'm going to read this uh, this text from the message. It says this: We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through our weakness and testing and experienced it all, all but the sin. Jesus experiences everything that we face. And he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Goes on in verse 16 and says, So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take mercy and accept help. This is the gift of Christmas. Take mercy and accept help. With whatever you're facing and whatever you're going through, In this life, in this season of your life, Jesus has come knowing what you face and he's saying, take mercy and accept help. God has come to be in the middle of our mess. The real question is, what is our response to Jesus? Maybe today you can relate to Mary and Joseph. 
Maybe you've lived your life trying to be a good person. And you're trying to do the right thing. And and you want to honor God with your life. You genuinely do. Maybe you haven't had the, the most elegant of circumstances. But you still want to seek after God. Maybe you're more like the shepherds. Maybe life has been hard for you. Maybe the challenges that you faced in life have left a lot of scars and pain, dysfunction and difficulty within your life. Maybe you can relate to these wise men. You've had opportunities. You've had a lot of things that the world seeks after. But there's still something within you that says, I'm seeking after what is ahead of me. I'm seeking after something that can truly satisfy. The band's going to come back up here and join us. And we're going to close out this service with just the opportunity to be able to worship Jesus. This gift that God has given us. The reason that we celebrate Christmas. Wherever you may find yourself in the story, the question is not, is God with you? He's already settled that. says that he is Emmanuel, God with us. So whatever you may be facing in life, he is with you. The question is tonight, are you with him? Are you willing, like Mary and Joseph did, to say, God, whatever you desire, I trust in you. Are you willing, like the shepherds, despite their hard circumstances, to say, I will follow that calling that's come in my life? Are you willing, like these wise men, to be changed by the truth that you have discovered and seek that which is missing in your life? Our response to Jesus is what makes him more than a decoration. Your response to Jesus, the way that we surrender our lives to him, is what makes him truly Lord in our lives. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus. Lord, though we didn't deserve it and we didn't earn it, Lord, you made a way in the middle of our mess, that we might know you. Father, I thank you that you called people from far and from near. Father, you called people who have lived a cush life, and you called people who have been through hard times. You have called people who have been religious all of their lives, and you called people, Father, who had no idea who you were or what your message was, because, Father, your grace and your goodness is an invitation to us all. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, but we don't thank you, Father, just that he came as a baby in a mess. We thank you for the cross that he would eventually face to pay the debt that we could not pay. Father, on this Christmas Eve, we want to surrender all that we are to you. In Jesus' name.